So, you know, I probably started, uh, I probably started using, you know, alcohol and, uh, you know, dabbled in, you know, some drugs, um, probably in 2008 was when I really like, you know, found myself trying to have fun with it. Um, you know, by the time, uh, you know, 2015, 2016 rolled around, um, it became more of a habit and, um, you know, and I found myself, you know, kind of having a dependency upon, you know, these, these, um, behaviors, I, I guess I would say, then, um, you know, in 2018, I got sober and, uh, you know, it took, it took some, uh, some pain and some struggles, um, to go through. And, um, I'm completely grateful today to have had an understanding of what life could be like at a, at a really low bottom. was Devin Pia, one of my longtime buddies, and we had such a good conversation. Um, and in today's episode, we touch on a lot of stuff that I think we all go through. Um, Pia goes into his journey into sobriety and what that looked like before. Um, he goes into how the universe just kind of put him in the right place at the right time, um, to meet family away from family. Um, you know, people who took him in and showed him the ropes that, which ultimately is his career today. Um, and so we also touched on how the bike can be a really, really good tool, a really good outlet, a way to be present, a way to push your physical body, a way to see the limits of your mind and so guys please enjoy this conversation but first a few things guys did you know i'm i have a coach now yeah um justin martin um he is the owner of stokehouse coaching it's ironic i know but stokehouse is um brand new and growing so Justin sends me two weeks of training every two weeks, and he uses science to really see where my fatigue level's at, to see if my fitness is growing. Um, For the first two weeks of training, he did a bunch of base work and then moved into a little more poppy, uh, like getting into some tempo work. So, uh... I'm super, super happy with um, not only the trainings he's been sending me, but also um, he's available, guys. If you are looking for a coach and you need to call someone um, and ask like, hey, dude, I can't do this training today because, um, oh, I have a six-month-old baby. Guess what? That's cool, man. He knows you're human. So, um, man or woman. But, yeah, so, guys, hit Justin up. Link will be in the bottom. Stokehouse Coaching, it's the cheapest 
around as well because he's brand new. Um, it's not going to be, you know, your left arm, you know, to start training. So um, highly recommend reaching out to Justin. Refer that you heard me. Well, you wait. <laughs> Refer me at checkout. Um, he might hook it up. So, all right, guys. I'll be heading to Old Pueblo today, 24-hour town. I'm going to be doing the single-speed coffee trailer. Super excited. It's been a bunch of prep. I've been prepping for the last two, three days. Um, We got almost 65 pounds of beans. Crazy. So I won't be bringing the bike, but I will bring the white box, the big trailer. So... If you are at Old Pueblo, stop by, say hi, Um, and we would love to serve you a cup of espresso or a cup of love in a cup, all right? Sorry, it's first thing in the morning, trying to get this podcast out, Um, so I'm a little groggy. I had a cup of coffee, but here we go, guys. You know, enough with the chatter. Guys, Verity Valley Rally, you know what's going on. It's the bike race that we're putting on in... March, at the end of March, March 25th, put it on your calendar. Guess what? Cash prize. $300 if you win. So guys, um, really just, it's a sick race. And not only you might win cash, but it's just a fun time um, at Blazing M Ranch. Look it up. Uh, But yeah, let's get into the episode, guys. Enough chat. Um, Quinn's graggy, but still happy, stoked for the day, just getting my meditation in, you know, just uh, enjoying the sun cresting over the mountains, let's get into it guys, this is Devin Pia, have some time to get in your car, listen to this podcast, Devin has some awesome insight, so here we go, let's get into it. Guys, welcome to the Stoke Podcast. Welcome to the Stoke Podcast. Today, I got Devin Pia on the episode. We've been struggling with technical issues for the last twenty minutes. Um, as you guys know, I'm not the most tech savvy, but Pia, he's been a long time friend. He was the first person who really got me into like endurance mountain biking he was the one who i was like oh man this guy's actually really fast and faster than i am and that's right when i downloaded strava i was fresh legs were hairy um but dude thanks for being on the podcast today (laughs) i remember that and i'm honored to be on here today um i remember riding with you up in cb south when we were riding hunter hill that day um so you've come a long way you're now faster than I am, and uh, kudos to you, buddy. I'm <laughs> stoked that I'm stoked that you are doing this podcast. It's uh, it's awesome. I've been listening to to the first one, and I am honored to be on here for the next episode. Cool. Well, I'm I'm so happy to be 
um, talking to you. And I think you bring a lot of good insight to not only mindset, um, you bring a lot of good first energy, but I think you've had a, a crazy past. Um, and, you know, I want to get into like how the bike has been an outlet for you in, in certain ways that you needed it to be. Um, and, uh, also just racing and where you're at now and, you know, your goals in the future and so forth. So, um, yeah. you're in Fort Collins right now Yep. and yep. you're not wrenching on the bike. What are you doing? So I'm currently working at a, uh, Trek, uh, factory store. Um, I am the service manager. So, you know, man, I've been working at a bike shop in bike shops since I was 13 years old. And, um, I've worked my way up into what is finally feeling like a, like an actual career path. Um, you know, getting into a corporate industry and, um, and really just having the management role behind it. Um, it's been pretty awesome. So, you know, I'm frontline, uh, riding, you know, customers bikes in and, you know, doing service, uh, write-ups. And then, uh, at this point I'm just delegating work to, you know, I have got a team of five mechanics and, um, these guys are stellar group of individuals. They are passionate about the cycling industry. They're passionate about riding. And, um, it's really cool to, you know, like you said, from where my journey had started and, you know, even before the bike industry, um, it's it's really cool of uh you know where i've gotten to and i'm really excited for the future ahead awesome and are you working for trek right now yes yep is it um like a rick and mortar kind of a yeah so trek it's shop? uh it, yep it's corporate owned um so trek has uh you know bought a few mom and pop shops in the country and uh you know little hesitant what you know going into the corporate world of you know bike shops but you know trek as a company is is awesome um takes care of its employees and um and really you know has a passion for the industry as well you know going globally and um and even locally so they they've got a strong footing in in the cycling industry in my eyes and uh yeah, it's, you know, it's been a transition to go from mom and pop shop, uh, you know, bike store into the corporate uh, side of things, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. Um, Cause you worked at double shot, which is if anyone who's listening, Gunnison, Colorado, it's like this little cute, I mean, it's sweet. It's like a coffee shop. And then in the back, it's like this, these two mechanics just wrenching on bikes all day in a little bike shop. So how, how has it been like transitioning from, you know, a, a business like, like double shot to, you know, Trek? You know, I gotta give a shout out to Dan Green, first of all, um, just, just for being so supportive, you know, through my time at double shot, um, you know, we, uh, we worked hand in hand together. Um, and I learned a lot from him. I learned, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, wrenching techniques and, um, you know, and, um, and actually, you know, starting to kind of learn the business side of, of, you know, the, the bike, owning a bike shop mm -hmm. and, um, you know, transitioning into the corporate side of things. I've taken a lot from that. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> 
the corporate side of things is, you know, a lot more number based and, you know, trying to hit these things, you know, these, uh, these goals and, um, you know, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, driven by, um, it's just more, you know, metric driven than, uh, than the mom and pop shop style where it's, you know, it's, it's about creating a sense of community. Um, but as a employee from the mom and pop shop, um, I've been trying my best to make every customer that comes into the corporate environment feel like it's a mom and pop shop. That's awesome. And I think that's why you are so, I guess, what um, valuable to track, mm -hmm. you know, because we need more people like that who actually um, welcome and and make someone feel like they're at home, like they're at their double shot when they're walking into Trek. Yep. Yeah. It's all about hospitality for me. You know, we want to make it and you know, in general, I mean, whether it's a mom and pop shop or a corporate store, you know, my goal in life has been, and my passion and my purpose has been to get people on bikes and to share my experience with them on how the bike has changed me. And let's shift a little bit. So what was your journey like before the bike and how'd you find the bike? So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty awesome story in my eyes. You know, um, I grew up in Hillsdale, New Jersey. Um, I worked at a, you know, before I, and I'm going to be vulnerable here and I'll be appropriate with, you know, how much I actually share. And, you know, I've been through, I've been through some struggles, you know, I, I didn't grow up in, you know, in, in the, uh, the most textbook way to put it, you know, easily. Um, and, um, I, I struggled as, you know, as a kid and, uh, had, you know, life things pop up as, you know, a younger, you know, kid and, um, just that wouldn't be expected. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, un, um, there's a lot of, uh, perspective that I didn't see um, as a, as a, as a child. And, um, you know, when I was, uh, 13 years old, I got myself into, you know, a little bit of trouble. And, um, at that point I, uh, you know, I had, you know, I had BMX bikes. I had, you know, I had the, uh, the means to get around. So a lot of, you know, the transportation of my, you know, of my childhood was on a bike. And, um, you know, I can remember when I was, you know, 13 years old, um, you know, pulling plywood out of dumpsters and making little jumps and ramps and stuff. And, and it just was, it was an outlet for me, you know, starting as, you know, as young as 13 from what I can remember, um, in getting more involved in like the, uh, the extreme side of the sport. And, um, so, you know, going into high school, I, um, I got my first, uh, full suspension mountain bike. And, uh, and actually, I'm sorry, I, it was about eighth grade where I got my full, first full suspension mountain bike. And that was a Gary Fisher Sugar 4. And uh, being 13, um, had a rear shock on it. And I remember being down at the park and having, you know, some buddies, we were all, you know, letting the air out. And at eventually, we let all of the air out of that rear shock. And uh, not knowing you know, we went to the gas station and used the air compressor to fill the rear shock up. And, um, I blew the seals out of it. And, 
completely blew the rear shock up. <clears throat> and uh, I had gone home and my dad was like, dude, you better go find a way to pay for it. He's like, I bought you the bike. Now you can fix it. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't have a job at the time. And um, I went over to the local bike shop that I had always hung out at and, um, you know, started sweeping floors for uh, for a new rear shock or just to get it rebuilt. And, uh, you know, once I got that paid off from sweeping floors and dragging cardboard up, um, I asked uh, Mark Albert uh, if um, if I could continue working. And, you know, from there, um, his brother, Alan Albert, who's now passed. And, uh, you know, I give 100% credit to Alan and Mark for bringing me through, you know, the uh, and growing my passion for cycling. Um, I learned everything I know about wrenching on bikes from Alan. And, you know, as a kid, that was my that was my go to I would leave school and I'd go to work. Um, so not only was, you know, a work ethic built, but the passion for cycling was also built from that, you know, from that time on. That's super special. Yeah. Like, you know, my dad would always be like, oh man, did you bring your wallet? You know, after we would eat dinner and be like, no, no, why? Oh, well, I didn't bring my wallet. You better go ask the, the owner if you can go back there and clean dishes for our meal. But it's kind of cool how you <laughs> went in there and was like, hey, I don't have any money. Can you can you rebuild my shock? I'll, I'll do anything. That's yeah. cool that those two let you come into the business and, and work for, for your shock. That's really cool. And then, yeah. so that was about 13 through like 16 through yeah, high school. So, so through high school. So I worked there, I started working there in 2007 and, um, you know, throughout the years, um, you know, continued with a, a little bit of a struggle, you know, life, life struggles. And, um, you know, I had a really close friend of mine pass away when I was a kid and, um, you know, it just, it, it created the, the bike industry, the bike, you know, the bike shop, it, uh, created, you know, a real, um, you know, a real outlet for me. And, um, yeah, I worked there from 2007 till 2014 and, um, and then I moved out to Gunnison. Nice. Yep. And then, um, if you don't mind me asking, uh, cl the close friend, how did he pass away? So Alex was actually Mark's son who owned the, who owned Westwood cycle, which was the shop in New Jersey. And, um, Alex was diagnosed with cancer, um, when he was 14 and, um, he was a couple years younger than me. And, you know, Mark, Mark had become a father figure to me, you know, and Alex was, you know, like a brother to me. And um, that family was very close because, you know, my family wasn't really, wasn't at, it was not close by any means. Um, so, you know, I, I chose to go to work and be around people that I, you know, I, I looked at as family, you know. And um, yeah, when Alex passed away, he, um, he had a, a muscle cancer that, you know, was just, it was really, it grew way rap more rapidly than you know than most cancers um and you know he was he was pretty sick and I'm sorry. you know that took that took a lot of it took a lot out of me you know as a kid um you know not a kid but you know a young teenager um to see you know to see him go through that absolutely and i couldn't at that age too it's so hard to cope with really anything yeah let alone you know a, a close 
member to you pass away. Um, but I'm sorry to hear that. And, uh, going forward, you moved to Gunnison and you, was it college or was it just pure love of the area? Yeah. So to be honest that, you know, um, once Alex, you know, was sick and, you know, passed away, uh, I felt that, you know, Gunnison, I had been, I had visited multiple times prior to moving out there. I had a buddy that was living out there and, you know, just the outdoors, the, uh, the, the small town, the, you know, the feel of, you know, kind of, a isolation. Um, you know, it was, a it was a prime, uh, reason for, you know, what I know now as me running away from some, some, you know, life problems. And, um, you know, you're talking about coping, um, you know, those coping mechanisms and the poor decision-making really led to, um, you know, some, some addictions and, um, you know, and alcohol abuse. And, um, you know, I was still riding my bike. I wasn't riding it the way that I ride it now, but, you know, the journey to get there, um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, but I, you know, I, I ran away to, to Gunnison and I found myself getting more involved in, uh, you know, in, in different, you know, kind of lifestyle, you know, choices and, and whatnot. Yeah. Cause when you do move away from quote unquote family, you know, people who know you for who you are as like a young one, you know, like when you take that step to move away, then, I mean, it could be dangerous because then you meet, I mean, it, I, in my life, it happened, you know, you, you move away and your brother's like, yo, I got a 30 rack and you don't know how to control it. And so, yeah, I, I totally understand, you know, getting into un, uncharted waters or, un, you know, like unfamiliar places that you want to experiment with. Um was it uh, like partying and just kind of going to the bars and so forth? Yeah, you know, so when I moved to Gunnison, I actually was, uh, you know, I wasn't really familiar with with a lot of the town. Um, but, you know, I started working at a, um, you know, at a restaurant down there, uh, Mario's. And, um, you know, I was a delivery driver for, for a little bit until I got a DUI down there. And, uh, like I said, I'm going to be vulnerable here. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be, be as vulnerable uh, as you will. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll make, you know, it'll make, hopefully, you know, uh, we'll draw a message here, you know, that, that can help some people. Um, Absolutely. so, you know, we, uh, yeah, I moved to, you know, Gunnison started working as a delivery driver, got a DUI and then, you know, I moved into, you know, a man- management position there and, um, you know, the, the restaurant industry by, you know, by all means is not a, uh, it's not a sanitary environment. It's, you know, it can be toxic if, if there's not, um, moderation and, uh, moderation was not a word in my dictionary. Yep. So, you know, you can, you can paint a picture with, with that. Um, you know, we don't want to go into, you know, much detail and, uh, but yeah, there, mod- moderation was not a word that I understood. <laughs> yeah. And, and how long, you know, living in that, in that lifestyle, how long did it take you until you realized you need a change? 
alcohol and, uh, you know, dabbled in, you know, some drugs. Um, probably in 2008 was when I really like, you know, found myself trying to have fun with it. Um, you know, by the time, uh, you know, 2015, 2016 rolled around, um, it became more of a habit. And, um, you know, and I found myself, you know, kind of having a dependency upon, you know, these, these um, behaviors, I, I guess I would say, then, um, you know, in 2018, I got sober. And, uh, you know, it took it took some, uh, some pain and some struggles um, to go through. And, um, I'm completely grateful today to have had an understanding of what life could be like at a, at a really low bottom. And, and especially when you stop using a mechanism to kind of alleviate that, that pain or that stress or just kind of numb you, right? Mm -hmm. How was that transition? Not having that, that crutch, um, to utilize so you know the it was really hard you know it was um it was tough because all that i knew in life at that moment at that at by that time was i really only thought that that was the only solution really to like to to help cope with you know divorce, you know, my parents being divorced, uh, you know, Alex's death, um, and, you know, um, other things that had popped up. And I never understood that there was something else that could really be a better solution for it. And, you know, when, when I think about what, you know, I was using for, you know, I had to fix what was inside and I used, you know, alcohol to, you know, to, as an, as an outside fix for an inside job. Yep. And, uh, you know, what's, what's pretty beautiful is that, um, you know, although the passion for the, you know, the cycling had been when I was younger at 13 and then kind of pushed that relationship with the bike away. It was the, the first thing when I let go of that other, uh, crutch, it was the first thing I went back to. And it has been the only thing that I use as a tool for my mental and physical health this today. That's so cool. So cool. And so through the transition, you decided to go sober. And that was hard in itself. So cycling was a good way for you to you to get back to that crutch, right? And cycling isn't a crutch, but for this kind of metaphor, it is. Um, what other tools did you use? I mean, the bike can be such a big tool, but what else did you use like to kind of help you completely transition from the substance? So I, you know, I started going, uh, to AA. I, you know, I'm a proud member of, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous today. 
and um, you know, it's it's a uh, it, I never had a structure to my life. I never had the uh, the foundation that you know that you know I don't want to say normal, but you know that that I you know that textbook structure that has you know is offered to kids. Um, I never had that, and I you know I made decisions on my own, um, and I chose my own path, and the path that I chose was just it was. It was kind of just a, a you know, a, an open road, and uh, you know when I when I finally was had enough with, you know, running away from myself, um, you know, the outside help that I needed came from you know from the AA program, and um, you know it's been it's been a pretty pretty amazing journey through that. Um, it's taught me a lot of perspective. It's taught me a lot of foundation, um, you know, character building things that I didn't even know about myself, um, you know, fears that I had that I didn't even know, um, you know, dealing with emotions, understanding, you know, how to feel emotions, you know, without, you know, just kind of drowning things. And, um, you know, I, I remember being, uh, being there for the first time and, you know, about the first week of, you know, not drinking, um, I had so much time, you know, time felt like a week felt like a year. And, um, you know, it really, there was a void there. There was a void, um, you know, giving up the drink and, uh, it was time to fill that with something else. And like I said before, I filled it with getting back on the bike. That's so cool. And even in my experience too, um, not cause I've, I mean, you have been a huge influence with a, this, this decision, you know, I'm not cutting out alcohol. I think I have to al allow myself that might be, I mean, just in my experience right now, I don't have a, a need to completely cut it, but definitely, I mean, I probably cut it by fourfold. You know, I used to have three IPAs a night at the least, you know, and so time. Dude, when you don't crack it open, it's like, it's six, seven o'clock. You're like, oh, sweet. You know, like what else can I do? And then eight o'clock comes around nine, get a good night's sleep, wake up rejuvenated, healthy, recovered. Um, so I, I'm, I'm on board and you've been a huge support and, and an uh, influencer for that too. Cause I remember talking to you three or three or four years, three years ago about your whole journey. And it's just, it's so cool. Um, and I'm glad you have that support too. Cause I mean, community is everything, especially when you're making a decision to better yourself. That is ultimately probably the hardest decision and change you can make in your life. Yeah. I mean, you know, the cha change is as naturally as human beings, we don't like change. Um, we don't change really unless something bad happens you know or if we or if it's a if it's a must and especially um you know in in you know our own mental you know and our own mental awareness of like you know self-awareness is it we sometimes become delusional to the fact that we actually that things are maybe not going 
how they should be or how we would actually want them to be. And, you know, what I've gotten the most out of all of this is that as human beings, we have the power of choice. You know, we have, we choose, we choose to do good things. We choose to do bad things. And, um, you know, the, the choice today, you know, I, I see life in a completely different perspective. Um, you know, and, um, the, you know, waking up in the morning, like you were saying, um, getting up and getting out on the bike at 6am, getting home and being able to make a cup of coffee and take a shower before I go to work. It's pretty fucking awesome. Oops. Yeah. No, it's as explicit. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it is fucking awesome. It is. Uh, and dude, yeah, you're, you're such an inspiration and, you know, I've, uh, the alcohol has always been that little, little dude on my shoulder, both, you know, it's, it's a little dude on everyone's shoulder though, to be honest, because as cyclists, you and me both have been to races and probably the people that are listening, you know, to this right now, if you go to a race, you get a ticket in that swag bag, that is a free beer. You know, it's such a societal thing that we are, have all accepted and have actually really just been, it's, it's approved. It's approved by every, um, every event. And, um, you know, it's a societal thing that like a lot of people, I'm happy to be on here and share and be vulnerable because a lot of people probably are like, I wish I could really just like cut back, you know, you make that new year's resolution and it lasts until, you know, until Valentine's day or whatever. And, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, it was a good run. And, you know, and you kind of start going back into, you know, to that like mental state of like, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't drink so much. Like maybe there's things that like are more important, like getting on the bike at 6am, like, feeling good before a race, feeling good after a race, like the recovery that, you know, it, the recovery difference between someone who drinks and someone who doesn't is, is pretty significant. Very significant. And even like we can go on and on, but I mean, even, even your brain, like the effects alcohol has on the brain is so detrimental you know to memory i mean to uh your gray matter it's like yeah so there's a lot of of cons pros it tastes a great lager you know it's it's, or a good ipa and that's that's just me who you know still still has that bug because it, it is such a hard it's a societal thing like you said right like it's completely your friends are doing it your mom your yeah i mean everyone's doing it so it's it's hard for you to to make that cut yeah and i give kudos to all of you out there that have that turn off you know and you can have one beer you can have that beer in the parking lot after a good ride with your buddies i give kudos to all of you and if you do feel that there's something that's out of control. There are people that you can reach out to and it, it, it's simple, but you know, it's, it's a, 
it's a it's a crazy thing when you look at the history of actually you know of alcohol and mm-hmm. what it has done in this country and wh- how it drives this country you know i'm not here to preach by any means and i hope that everyone listening you know understands that i'm not here to preach it's my own experience it's my own journey and it's the, what i want to share yeah. um but you know it's a it's for me it doesn't i doesn't mesh with me <laughs> yeah and that's so so cool and um what's important too is is it's just bringing awareness to it right like mm-hmm. just know what you're doing because i know like when i crack that beer i know it's i shouldn't have four of these but that that go getter in me is like why not right like i'm kind of mm-hmm. like you it's like I give kudos to the guys who can drink one beer. I've been better as I gotten older and I have a baby. I can, I can, I can have that one or two, but man, yeah. Three, four five years ago. No, I was full throttle. Like we crack one open. We're cracking them all open. Um, yeah. And, and I can attest to, you're not a preacher. Like you are telling your story. Yeah. yeah you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't preach. Um, but now fast forward and what how old were you when you did make that decision i was 25 25 i was 25 yeah i'll be 30 in two weeks nice so five years yeah yep so you know yeah it's been it's been awesome and you know to you know to i guess transition back you know to the bike and like what you know since that you know since that moment there's been you know the I got a, I got sober and then I got out of the restaurant industry and I went back into my passion for, for the bike shops. And uh, that's when I started working at double shot. That's awesome. And uh, Dan's probably helped you out so much in that whole process too. So supportive. I bet. You know, there's uh, there were people that saw in me what I could never see in myself. And, uh, you know, and, and the, um, the people that stuck by my side are people that have been a complete impact in my life today. Whether it's a friendship, uh, you know, or a, you know, or a business relationship, um, I am where I'm at today because of that transition into double shot that's everything happens for a reason you're in the right spot at the right time yeah um yeah and now you are going to be doing some ultras so you know it's funny because in 2018 i uh i took a pretty pretty good spill on my on my mountain bike and I stuck my thumb shifter through my kneecap and um you know I had I want to say now I've had about seven surgeries on my knee um I went septic at one point in 2020 right before COVID happened actually while COVID you know came into the states here and um you know there was a uh I, I always enjoyed the, you know, the kind of the short distance races and, um, with my knee, you know, it putting a lot of pressure on it at once. 
And some might pe some people might think that this is a little bit of insane thinking, but if you listened to the past, you know, 25 minutes of this, you know, I might just be a little, I got some screws loose. <laughs> um, so, you know, after my last knee surgery, I started, you know, kind of getting more involved in the, um, in being on the bike just longer, you know, putting a little bit less power out um, and being able to just really sit on the bike for 12, 14 hours at a time. And, um, you know, my first, my first uh, bike packing race, I would say, would be the, uh, the Gunny Loopy Loop. Um, we did that, uh, the Fossil Ultimate, which is down in Gunnison as well. And, um, you know, and I, I, I just grew kind of more towards those longer distance. Um, one, because it made my knee feel better. And two, it's a complete life reset, you know, mentally it's, it's challenging. And I think today I'm always looking for the physical and the mental challenge on the bike. Um, Currently up here in Fort Collins, I've uh, signed up for the uh, North-South Colorado, which is going to go from Fort Collins um, down to Trinidad. Um, it's about a 600 mile race. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. You know, it's just, it truly has, uh, the bike has become a, uh, a, a tool, not only physically, but complete mental. Complete. And, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, how far can I push myself? How far, how far, how, for how long can I be without a cell phone? For how long can I be riding in the dark by myself? You know, when I rode the gunny loopy loop, I was coming up, um, I had left Crest of Butte and, you know, I was about 10 hours in at that point and I got up near Texas Ridge, which is all the way up in uh, Taylor Canyon. And mm -hmm. I saw a group of four, you know, four hikers, and I hadn't seen anyone in 14 hours. And you know, the feeling of seeing people and not having cell phone service being by yourself. I saw these people and I was like, you guys got to stop. I need a hug, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing what the human body can do and, and what our brains can, um, you know, can really feel and, um, how we can really get through almost anything. Um, so that's what I'm looking for these days. I push myself to the limit. With those longer overnighters, overnighters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember, uh, I think you, you called me or you did something on Instagram or something where you were riding the Salida, that 100 mile, you called yeah. me or something. I'm like, dude, how far? I'm 88 miles in. You know, your your stoke level's super high, um, and I thought you were crazy because at that time, you know, I've never even done a hundred mile ride. So I'm like, oh, God, Devin is just like on another level. And now, you know, what is kind of your mindset coming into these bigger races? Do you do you want to push push the field? Do you want to try to? Um, compete or is it more of like I just want to do it as fast as Pia can do it you know real quick I just want to touch base on what you had just said about me calling you um oh yeah you know that that ride actually um I had Saturday off and um my buddy 
Ben, um, you know, his brother was killed out in California and they were doing a fundraiser for, um, for Jordan's, um, funeral. And, um, I had posted up on Instagram that I was going to go and ride every mile that I rode. I was going to donate a dollar. Um, so I woke up Saturday morning at three o'clock and I was like, well, I'm going to start riding. And so I rode from Gunnison at 3 a.m. and I started riding up Cottonwood. I was just going to go to the top of Cottonwood. And I was like, eh, I'm going to go drop down into BV. And, yeah. uh, you know, I dropped down into BV and then I, you know, went from BV to Poncha Springs and um, I didn't want to get killed going over Monarch. So, you know, I went down and I took uh, Marshall Pass down into Sargent's and then Sargent's back. So I rode 164 miles that day. And, um, you know, I got back and I, I made a donation and, you know, there were other people that, uh, had donated that day as well, you know? So for me and, you know, going back into what your question was about, you know, am I, am I going out there to be at the top of the field? Um, I, I'm out there for myself to push myself. And if I can be up at the top, um, so be it. I'm not out there looking to, to podium. Um, I've had, you know, some success in, you know, in, in holding some, you know, FKTs on some small, you know, events, uh, that Hefe actually puts on. And, uh, I think I still hold the Fossil Ridge race. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out there, that whole story about riding, you know, that big loop on, you know, uh, Saturday morning and, you know, the races, you know, both of those, I just want to be out there and having fun. That's, that's the bottom line is that I enjoy my bike so much. And I, and I get into this, you know, this Zen mode where, you know, I, I, I don't listen to music when I ride. Um, you know, I, and I just listen to the tires on, you know, the dirt or the asphalt or whatever it is. And that's, that's, what's meaningful to me. It's just being on the saddle. And if I happen to podium or if I happen to do well, then, you know, I, I'll pat myself on the back. Um, you know, I, uh, I raced, uh, this past weekend up in Boulder and, uh, did old man winter and, you know, some heavy hitters up in Boulder. Um, and you know, I placed 34th. I was happy with it. Nice. You know, there yeah. wasn't one moment where I was like, what am I doing? You know, I enjoyed yeah. every single second of it. Nice. And that's, that's why we I all get on the bike. You know, it's just such a cool outlet and a way for us to connect to ourselves and nature, you know, it, disconnect for a little bit but that's really cool to hear like that it's more of just a self journey for you because I know though just knowing you how fit and strong you are you know you, you say you're doing it for yourself but you will end up doing really well especially in these uh north to south uh and just a question for north to south where is the finish is it near Alamosa yeah, so uh, it's, I want to say that Trinidad is um, is west of Alamosa. Okay. Um, see, I don't even know the you know geographically where I'm going, but well, you just follow the GPS. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> we're going. Yeah. We're riding. We're going. Um, you know. Yeah, that's really cool. And and so, what are your goals for 2023? Like on the bike. 
on the bike, you know, uh, my goals are just to get out, you know, to get out and, um, you know, moving up to Fort Collins. Um, I, you know, currently am just, uh, you know, an owner of a road bike and a gravel bike right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll eventually get a mountain bike, you know, Gunnison kind of, uh, took the, uh, the, you know, the privilege and the, uh, the, the really, um, easy accessible valley that we had down there took a little bit away from, you know, the, that you know you have to drive to get to you know trailheads and stuff so you know for me this year um my goals are just to go out and have fun you know just if uh you know if i set goals for myself that are too high you know i don't want to ever make myself feel like i've you know let myself down um so you know we'll get some get some more gravel racing in um the gravel gravel scene up here is pretty amazing. Um, hopefully, get down to Fruta and um, and race down there, the Colorado Utah. Um, there's a race up in Nederland um, that I'm planning on doing, and then there's the uh, the Foco Fondo. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. And like what's I the said, Foco you know, Fondo? So the Foco Fondo is straight out of Fort Collins. Uh, Zach Allison, you know, puts that race on. He puts the event. Uh, it's an awesome event. Um, so it's a 118-mile uh, gravel race. And, uh, yeah, there's there's a few other um, distances. I don't know the exact distance. Um, they had changed the distance this year. I think it was a 1 – I want to say it was a 140 last year um, or a 150, and then um, – it'll be just a 118 and then i want to say a 50 and a 30 or something like that okay oh that's good ranges for everyone yeah a lot of people can participate in that one yep that's sweet um because i'll I'll be living in gunnison this summer so Mm -hmm. um i'm just looking at at colorado races because i have yet hopefully hopefully we can uh get the uh the gunny grinder back the Gunny Grinder is, you know, a small little fun event, uh, you know, two distances. And uh, I raced that uh, two years ago. And that was their first year doing doing the Gunny Grinder. Is that the gravel race? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah, I saw that. This looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited to be back in the Valley. And like you said, you know, we, we do lose that privilege or we take it for granted when we're living there. I mean, yeah. Hartman rocks. No one knows it. Highly recommend go check it out. There's camping everywhere, but the single track is designed by an artist and uh signal peak. These are accessible from town. I mean, you can ride your bike anywhere to access these points. They're just, yeah. Unreal single track hundreds, hundreds of miles. Yeah, you don't get, it's not common for, you know, a place to have, you know, three parking lots and, you know, in between all those, you get, you know, 80, 80 miles of single track that all interconnect with each other and you mm-hmm. don't hit any pavement, Yeah, um, you know, and then you have Crest Butte up, you know, half hour from there. And there's so many offshoots of places to go up in Crest Butte, whether you're riding CB South, you know, um, you know, or Crest Butte proper, but it's a pretty amazing valley and, um, you know, I'm pretty grateful to have lived there. Um, the career path had, uh, you know, had, 
had to go other places, but you know, it's not too far. Um, no. you know, once that, once that, uh, thermostat goes up, you know, above negative 20 now up there, let's, uh, we'll be getting down. Oh yeah, dude. I'm excited. I'm excited to ride the bike with you again. Um, yeah. and so sounds like everything's good. I'm, I'm glad we went into that, um, into your story of your journey with alcohol and, and how this cycling is not just a crutch, but I mean, a, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a way to expand your limits and know what your body's actually capable of and to even implement those to your own life, right? Like when shit gets tough, what do you do? You can't just stop. You got to keep going, you know, just keep pedaling. Um, mm-hmm. If you lose your balance, go a little faster. You know, just yeah. like, um, there's some cool lessons that you can learn from the bike that I'm sure you can attest. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bike is totally, you know, I was talking about, you know, that, that outside fix for an inside job. And, you know, today when though, you know, like you said, when, you know, when life throws curveballs at you, you know, it's really important for, to have, you know, an outlet and to have a healthy one. And, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, you know, what the bike can do. Um, you know, whether you're riding, you know, at an elite level or you're just, you know, putzing around on a, you know, recreational path, like it is, it is a truly, it, it's truly amazing what, uh, what two wheels and, you know, what what it can do for you yeah i agree it's completely shifting my whole world and i don't see you know i don't see my life without it it's a good outlet for me to keep pushing and set goals and stay determined and stay away from booze so i can wake up better and you know it's yeah. just a, yeah it's an overall just good uh good tool yep yeah, and it's it's free. It's an expensive tool, but <laughs> as soon as I say it's, it's free, way worth it. Uh, it's free when you buy that lifetime pass. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's yeah. It, it's an expensive pass. Like you just buy it, you take you bite the bullet, and um, oh, and then you got to get shoes and clips and helmet, and yep. cool cool glasses and a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't grow the mustache. No, I just, no clean no, shaven, you know, yeah, Less, you know, the wind, wind blows off, you know, smooth cheeks easier. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> it's very mediocre. I really do it for the look, you know, it's not like I'm showing this thing off, you know, I just think it looks, it looks it good looks enough good. to get attention. Yeah. It's got the gaper gap matches yeah. my eyebrows, dude. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I went with the, the, the mullet um because why not yeah you look yeah. great dude thanks you man. look great <laughs> really yeah kenzie and i we were in the uh we were in the bathroom one night and i was like yeah sh- screw it sh- shave it into a mullet she's like sweet i'm down nice. it's just yeah and then we put some some racing stripes oh you got and, stripes in there oh yeah gotta, dude you gotta yeah. you gotta put stripes on the race car you know hell yeah yeah, so, <laughs> so really just going with the look, but uh, yeah, I just want my daughter to look up to me and just be like, man, he really just didn't give a shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And isn't that um, beautiful? You know, as life goes on, you start to be able to have more and more responsibilities. And, you know, it, it it's truly been, you know, an awesome journey, you know, having, you know, you as a friend, um, you know, to, to, you know, share and be vulnerable. I mean, I remember sitting out in the back of double shot after bike rides and, you know, just talking with each other and, yeah. It's really, it's, you know, it's just amazing what, uh, you know, what this, um, what kind of clarity you really can have when you have good communication with people. Yes, absolutely. And good friends that you can trust and be vulnerable with because you gotta, you gotta vomit sometimes, you know, like you gotta just express your feelings. Um, it's a good way to release. Um, cause if not, yeah, you're going to tear up. Maybe you gotta yeah. do both. Maybe it's a lot pent up but yeah having good friends you've been a hell of a friend and yeah it's 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 important to have good people in your life that you can just first talk shit with and then also when shit gets tough talk about it and have someone that can actually listen you know and and just fully embrace it yeah and for all you listeners out there i'm sure that um i'll be tagged on instagram if you ever, you know, need to talk or anything, please message me. Um, I'd, yes. be happy to, I'd be happy to, you know, share, listen, whatever you want. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know any of you that are listening. Maybe I do, but love you all. Love you all. And I love you all. Um, Pia, dude, it's been an honor. It's been about an hour. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stop the podcast. You can stay on. It won't end our call, but um, any last words, the listeners? Enjoy 2023, um, you know, make it a good year. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're a cyclist, ride safe. Um, if you're not, and you're looking to get into the sport, listen to this podcast from the beginning and you'll see what it can do. And uh, pass this podcast along to some friends because Quinn is truly an awesome dude and uh i appreciate being on here i feel honored to be on here and uh hopefully we'll we'll see some more uh big dogs getting on here some old dudes that you know pioneered the the sport and um i'm gonna try my best to get those guys in contact with quinn so keep it real keep Keep stoked you you are light dude you are loved um all the listeners are stoked. That was a, that was a badass, badass conversation. Um, so all you guys stay stoked out there. Keep having fun. Keep loving life. Keep enjoying every day. Cause guess what? One day we won't wake up and that's all right. It's just life. All right. Peace.